You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, I want to start out today, as I always do, pointing you back to wealthformula.com. Why? Well, there's all sorts of resources there to help you in your journey towards wealth, including my best-selling book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which you can get by downloading the PDF on the website, wealthformula.com, or simply texting me at 44222 and typing Wealth Formula. Again, that's one word, Wealth Formula, and that's 44222. Now, I'm sure you enjoyed the interview with Robert Kiyosaki last week, and of course, you could tell I was uh, sort of, you know, sort of sort of enamored. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the guy, man. I just think he's a... Uh, you know, I just think he's just a guy who has changed a lot of lives, and I'm I, I really admire that I'm a, about him. And um, as part of this whole thing, I announced this on Facebook that there was this interview coming. It was coming out on on Christmas Day, etc. And you know, for the most part, everybody was super excited. So that that uh, mo- most people had really good comments and they were excited. Of course, they're like mine. And then I had one guy who wrote, you know, not my idea of New Year fun. Do people still believe in that con man? And that sort of infuriated me, right? Because I don't get it. Why do people why do people use words like that con man, right? Why why do people use that word? to describe somebody who they know very little about. He says, um, let's see, what did I say? I said, you know, I've gotten to know Robert personally. These kind of comments piss me off. He's an incredibly real guy, doesn't deserve that kind of BS comment, etc. And then he writes, well, uh, what did he write? He says, Kiyosaki's incredible joke. Research is life. His books suck and are full of useless garbage. Actually, he says useless garage. Your thought uh, thought he has influenced more entrepreneurs, which I said he is. Uh, I I said that he influenced more entrepreneurs than probably Harvard Medical or Harvard Business School uh, in in his lifetime, and I really do believe that. And he says, "Sorry to speak the truth." And I said, "Well, he certainly influenced me and a lot of people who I know who are incredibly successful." If I could have had the impact, if I could have the impact on someone's life the way he's had an impact on mine, I'd be pretty proud of that. And as far as his life, which he says, you know, there was, have you read about his life? It's a joke. As far as his life, I'm not sure why you would call it a joke. No one's perfect. You know, these kinds of things, they just drive me crazy, right? I mean, I don't I don't get it. I don't really understand. You get a guy who you know, clearly has influenced so many people. And I'm sure you might be one of those purple book people uh, yourselves. And people just try to find flaws in others, right? There's a guy who's the number one best-selling financial author of all time. He is uh, a guy who's worth, you know, north of $100 million. And he is super smart. Is he a tough Marine, a Vietnam vet? Yeah, absolutely. I like that about him, actually. He's real. He's not kind of some fluffy, um, you know, fluffy Hollywood 
type or glamour type, whatever, uh, which uh, it seemed like this guy who made these comments had a bunch of pictures of Maseratis and bikini girls, which uh, apparently was a much better 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 image to show than Kiyosaki. But anyway, I, I just have to tell you that it drove me, it really upset me, and uh, I needed to share that with you because I think uh, you, you, by the way, if you're not engaging on Facebook with me at Buck, you know Buck Joffrey and Wealth Formula, you should. We need to grow that community and have these discussions. But anyway, so today we're speaking of Robert Kiyosaki. We're going to talk to um, a guy by the name of Tom Wheelwright. Now, Tom has—he's a miracle maker. He's a miracle maker. He makes miracles. Um, not only because he's really good at taxes and he does miracles with taxes but he made me think that taxes were interesting which i think is sort of a miracle in of itself why why do i think they're interesting well most people think of taxes as at best a necessary evil and at worst downright punitive right a a, a complete punishment from the government but after reading Tom Wheelwright's book, Tax-Free Wealth, by the way, episode 27, we talk very broadly about stuff. He made me look at taxes totally in a different way. As Tom likes to say, if you want to pay less tax, you have to change your facts. Which is funny because, you know, he it makes him seem like he's sort of like a Baptist preacher or something, but he's actually a really nice Mormon guy um, from, from Arizona. Um you know, listen, here's the thing the ta- that, that Tom made me realize. The tax code has two purposes, really. And one is the one that everybody knows, right? It's, it's you got to raise money to pay for government schools, bridges. Uh, everyone knows that part. But here's where it gets really interesting. The second purpose, and perhaps the more important purpose of the tax code is for the government, to encourage you to do what it wants, to encourage you to invest in certain ways that will create certain effects on the economy, on infrastructure, whatever it is, you know. For example, let me give you an example of this. So our dependence on foreign fossil fuels was not good for our national security. It's still not good, but so the government, over time, made it incredibly tax-friendly for people to allocate investments into oil and gas drilling. Now, we don't have an oil and gas problem anymore. Uh, we have an environmental problem, potentially. But we don't have a problem where we can't, I mean, we're totally self-sufficient. We don't need to, ex- we don't need to import oil from anyone. We have a lot of oil. And, um, and so that happened because of incentives, it happened because we made it made it so that people who were investing in oil and gas drilling, accredited investors, my friends, could write off almost the entire investment on as soon as they invested in that same year, even people who are W2 and then get cash flow on the back end. That's a good deal. Right? That is an incentive. So I had a conversation with a guy on New Year's, uh, well, it was a couple of days after New Year's, but it was a holiday party, right? And and he was a really nice guy, he's a local guy, friend of a friend whose place this was at. And the, of course, I'm a guy who generally, I mean, I like to talk about, if there's a real issue to talk to talk about, I like talking about real stuff. I'm not 
terribly good at small talk, honestly. Um, and that's one of my flaws. But um, anyway, this guy, one of the things he started talking about was he was super excited, super excited about carbon tax. He was super excited about the idea of, you know, curbing uh, carbon emissions by taxing carbon, taxing companies for carbon. And then, and then, um, and anyway, it was a tax. I mean, he was excited about a tax and he was spending a lot of time on this and uh, had become sort of a local advocate and doing work for this. And while I'm certainly <clears throat> an advocate for the environment, I really am, okay? I also recognize that no one likes taxes. And he'd apparently spent a lot of time on this, the idea of implementing taxes. So I asked him, why not spend more time trying to figure out how to incentivize people for making green energy investments. I mean, why? there's nothing out there. I've looked. I've looked. There's nothing out there. And if I'm wrong, someone tell me. But there's nothing out there like oil and gas, that type of save, same benefit to that degree. There's nothing there for the green energy stuff. There isn't. So I gave him, um, you know, I gave him the oil and gas example and asked him, why not push for more incentive-based solutions rather than taxing? I mean, Again, I'm not, if there was a carbon tax, I would pay it. I mean, I think it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying, let's be realistic. What is palatable to everyone? Incentives are palatable to everyone, right? Anyway, he didn't seem to like the conversation much. So he sort of slipped away uh, very quickly as I was uh, turning around to, to reach for my um, uh, whiskey spiked uh, hot chocolate. And that, in turn, got me in trouble with my wife, who felt that my challenge or, you know, I thought it was a conversation, may have come across as confrontational. At any rate, the thing that I've come to realize is that people, I mean, this is basic stuff, people run towards pleasure and away from pain. And taxes, taxes, my friends, are pain. Everybody knows and thinks of taxes as pain, right? And tax incentives are like pleasure. It's all how you put it. It's all marketing. You can and incentives are are really a pleasure and that's how you get things done. Anyway, the Trump tax overhaul uh that just happened is the biggest since 1986. Uh the most changes and to understand how it's going to affect you I have the perfect guy, as I mentioned, Tom Wheelwright, who is uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's CPA. So when we come back, Mr. Tom Wheelwright. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Tom Wheelwright. Now, Tom is a CPA and the founder of ProVision, which is an international CPA firm specializing in tax strategy. He's the author of the best-selling book, Tax-Free Wealth, which is, in my view, the single most exciting book ever written on the subject of taxes. Actually, actually, I'm serious, though. It is a really great book, and I read it like three times, um, and uh, there's a link to it in the resources section of wealthformula.com. You really do need to pick that up. Tom is also known as uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisor, on taxes and uh, Robert's own CPA, and they recently published a book together 
called Why the Rich Are Getting Richer, which is another fantastic book. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thanks, Buck. It's great to be back on the show, especially, uh, you know, this is actually the one time, um, probably the one time in my lifetime when being a tax guy is uh, is, is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, actually, I was actually in the in the Washington Post the other day. Uh, Washington Post did an article on uh, t- uh, tax accountants as rock stars. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That well, I mean, sometimes uh, depending on your, you know, depending on uh, you know how much money they save you, they certainly can appear that way. And so, um, you know, it's funny because uh, you know, and you you in particular, it's been. Um, you know, you, your your work with Robert and uh, Robert Kiyosaki uh, has been, uh, you know, it's really been, it's really helped to get out your message a lot. And I was just thinking about Robert because he, um, you know, he was on the show last week, and uh, he's somebody that we both admire. When I was uh, when I was on the Real Estate Guys cruise with him last April, he told me he's he kind of you know he looked over at me and he said, you know that Tom Wheelwright. I think he's the smartest guy in taxes in the world. <laughs> so that's a nice compliment well, that's from a, a smart that's founder, a, that's right? High praise from a, a, somebody who's a, a very smart guy. Of course, of course, you know, um, Robert um, actually gave me the definition for somebody who's smart is, is somebody who agrees with me. That's right. That's so right. Robert's obviously very smart. Yeah, he is a very, very smart guy. <laughs> So, yeah, it's great to have you back. You were on earlier. It was episode 27, and we talked broadly about, uh, the, you know, taxes and tax-free wealth. And, again, I, I sort of half-jokingly said it's, uh, you know, uh, the most exciting uh, tax book I've ever read. But it is. It, it really is a, a uh, one that I think if you're interested in, in wealth uh, creation, it is a must-read book. I mean, it's really sort of a transformative way of thinking for most people who don't think much at all about taxes. But I really want to focus on um, today is, you know, uh, we're in the new year and we've got a new Trump uh, tax overhaul. And I'm trying to figure out how it is going to affect us. So broadly speaking, Tell me your perspective on this tax plan and sort of very broadly, what, what is it going to do for us? Well, so <laughs> it's, it's very interesting how they sold it, right? They yeah. sold it as a, um, a tax reduction, tax reform for the middle class. And uh, while middle class, middle class meaning Trump's middle class, right? Which yeah. is these are people who are making under 100000 yeah. And those people will get a huge tax benefit, no question. Yeah. Um, some of them will see their taxes go down by as much as 75%. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> they absolutely do get a big tax reduction. Between the child tax credit, the personal tax credit, and the standard deduction, and and the rate changes, they're getting a, a really big benefit. Um, if, you're, if you're a business owner, and hopefully we can talk about some of the yeah. business changes, if, if you're a business owner or an investor – and particularly if you're making over 400,000, you're getting huge tax benefits. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. The people between 100 and 400, they're gonna. There are some people in there that are gonna see a tax increase. What where where 
what they're going to see as their benefit, though, is less in the tax area and more in the in their portfolio. Because uh, most of the people in that range, they have a lot of money in the four hundred one ks. They have a lot of money in the stock market, and there's no question we've seen it already since November when this was first announced. We've seen huge tax bump, uh, huge bump yeah. as a result of the tax law, and you're going to see more because once uh, remember uh, how stocks are are valued, right? I mean, it's a PE ratio. Yeah. Well, the E on PE ratio is earnings. Well, your earnings just shot up by virtue of the tax bill because yeah. you went from a 35 percent mm. bracket tax rate to a 21 percent tax rate. So you just had an enormous. Um, influx of earnings. So by definition, you should see the stock market. Um, I would think the stock market, you're going to see a, 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 a rise for the next several months at least. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know why the stock market is how, as high as it is in the first place, but this is certainly, you know, there's a confidence going on that is running this bull market. So yeah. um, that's, that's what they're going to see. They're going to see a big benefit between one and 400. The reality is that this is primarily a business tax reform, okay? This is a, a shift from uh, where they got the money. Well, a lot of the money came from individual tax benefits. We saw, we see the state tax deduction limited. We see the home mortgage interest deduction limited. We see the elimination of uh, itemized deductions for investment expenses, the absolute complete elimination of those expenses, uh, of those deductions. We've seen other deductions limited, and they're all personal deductions. N none of the none of the business deductions were limited. In fact, all the business benefits were increased. None of them were limited. Um, I, I, I mean, there are a couple of minor ones, but for the most part, they were increased. So what we're seeing is this was business tax reform. And in fact, if you look at um, the expir you know, there's expiration dates on everything except corporate tax rates. Corporate tax rates have no expiration date. That one's permanent. Yeah. And so what you'll see is, of course, 2025. First in 2022, you'll see a push to extend the R&D, the research and development tax credit, because that's set to expire. It's been set to expire before. It never does. Yeah. And yeah. then you'll see, you know, these other provisions that are set to expire at the end of 2025. They're not going to expire. Most of them will not expire. Most of them will get, you know, they'll 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 push them forward again, yeah. just like they did. You know, with some of the the the, the Bush tax cuts, et cetera. So, um, I'm 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 not so worried. I think people should not be worried too much about the expirations. I think what people should be excited about is this uh, amazing, amazing tax benefits, and a lot of them nobody knows about. So, probably a lot of people will hear it first here because yeah, there yeah. are several pro there there are several new things. There are actually several things that aren't new. That because of the way the tax bill is written, things that have tax benefits that have been in there now actually have more impact than they had before. So we can talk about some of those too, um, because I, I think that there's just a lot, there's a lot of good stuff in this bill. Yeah, yeah. And so let's start. Uh, you know, let's start with uh, the the basics. Now, uh, one of the things that you had mentioned, which um, unfortunately probably hits a big demographic on my show and my listeners is the 100 to 400,000. So if I'm a, if I'm a high paid W2 earning professional and I'm making $300,000 a year, I mean, this, you're probably not seeing the tax. Decrease. You're not going to see much here. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Um, 
but where you but where you are going to be affected, I think, is probably on some of these state and local tax deductions and personal real um, and, and and you know the real estate property tax uh, limitations, right? Isn't that so? You're going to get hurt right. there, right? So so it, I look at it. I, I kind of take a different view of this. I, I look at this as if you do things selfishly for yourself you're going to lose your benefit. If you do things for other people, you're going to get a benefit. You're going to get a new benefit. Okay? So, for example, um, interest on mortgages is limited if you have that mortgage for yourself. But if you create mortgages for other people because you're creating housing for other people, now you get the full benefit. Yeah. Okay? If, you're a, if, you're, if, if you have state taxes on your personal income that you're using personally – you don't get a deduction for those. But if you are, if you have a business that's a corporation, corporations still get those deductions. So you still get the state tax deduction in your corporation. So it's really a matter of um, this is a bill to me about um, a doing what the government wants you to do. You get a benefit, and 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 they they want you to do different things now. They've changed policy about what they want you to do. Um, owning a home, they don't want so much anymore. Okay, and then it's also a bill about being generous, because yeah. the the char- for example charitable deductions you used to have a f- um, maximum of fifty percent of your income you could donate now you can ma- donate sixty percent. Yeah. Okay, there, there are go. state tax credits. Um, lots of states have state tax credits. Um, if you donate to certain charitable organizations, okay, well think about this. You, you get a, let's say you donate to a charitable organization and you get a thousand dollar state tax credit. Your state taxes went down by a thousand. So you're not out any money. Yeah. What you also get though is a charitable deduction on your federal tax return that could be worth $40, $400, huh. you know, 40%, right? Yeah. I mean, 37%, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you get a charitable deduction and you get a credit, Wow. right? Okay. So that's something that in, in the past, we always thought, well, yeah, but you got a deduction for the state taxes anyway. But now you don't get a deduction for the state taxes. So everybody's going to want to make sure that they look at um, all, of the, all of the credits that states have for ch- um, charitable donations for, like, their, their welfare or their, their private school tuition or, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, after-school programs, things like that. You're going to want to look at all those. I'm actually in the middle of writing a book about this stuff. But um, you're, you're going to want to look at that stuff because that's actually a moneymaker. I mean, if, if I can give $1,000, get $1,000 back from the state and then get $400 back from the, the feds, I just, made four, I just made a 40% return on an investment of $1,000 simply by being generous. Wow. Okay. So this is this is kind of mind-boggling because I hadn't even really, you know, I was sitting there thinking, wait, what is he saying? So there's a credit. And that de- and a deduction, right? Go on one, right? Oh, that's so. Uh, that, it's been there for for a long time. Uh-huh. This is one of those things where, you know, we've had these credits for years. It's just that we've always been able to take a deduction for our state taxes. So if you you, you know if you lose a deduction for your state taxes and you get it in your charitable contributions, you, you're you're no better off. You're just telling the state where to spend your money, right? Right. Right. But if you're not able to take your state tax deduction. Okay. Yeah. And now you can convert a non-deductible item into a deductible. I mean, that's that's the whole point of tax-free wealth is taking non-deductible yep. items, converting them to deductible items. That's what we're doing by by donating money to these charities 
that have state tax credits attached to them, we're actually turning a non-deductible item, okay, your state tax, your state tax into a deductible charitable contribution. That's really what we're doing. That's amazing. Anyway, uh, I guess, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, um, conservation easements, captives, they're still an option as well, too? I mean, since oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and in fact, um, they're, they're still there. I, I would say, though, there's so many other benefits. I, I, I always – the conservation easement's always like the last thing I want to do yeah. just because it's a You'll tax never see shelter. The, money again. the IRS doesn't like them. Right. You know, I, I, they're, they're certainly legal. They're specifically allowed by law. Um, they're just, there's a lot of legwork to do with them and there's some risk because right. the IRS could disallow it. Right. So it's kind of the last thing I want to do. Um, captive insurance. I look at that as that is a fantastic benefit. If you need, if you're already self-insuring, I mean, it's something that don't do it for, because you need it for tax purposes, do it because it's a really good idea from uh, a business standpoint. And I think it's a great idea for a lot of businesses to have that money set aside to be able to co- and, and pool it so that you can cover some losses that nobody else is going to cover. I mean, these are catastrophic issues that you're talking about, and nobody and, and, and there's no way you can afford to get them covered by you know, Lloyd's of London or somebody else, it'd be way too expensive, but you can cover them, you know, in a pool and you can have that money. And at the same time, you get a tax benefit for it. So that's a, that's a very different item than a conservation easement. Conservation easement is, I like conservation easements because I like to see personally, I'm a bit of an environmentalist and that I like to see our wetlands and, and our natural beauty preserved. And that's why that benefit is in there. Okay. I just, you just have to balance that against, you know, the, the, the IRS really doesn't like those, whereas yeah. captives don't have that same stigma, okay, yeah. with the IRS. I mean, you still have to report them, at, um, at, but they're, they're not a tax shelter. By definition, they're not. They're a, there's a business reason for them, and you're doing it for business purposes. It's just that, that because um, of actually Senator Grassley in Iowa, we get a, a, a big tax benefit for it, right? And so those are still there. There's just a, a lot of and, – and, so the, the good things that were there are still there, and there's just a lot of, of good things that are new. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is a, getting a little specific on the topic of the, the the real estate property taxes, but, you know, I just ended up uh, renting my house uh, in Chicago uh, because we couldn't sell it. And um, I didn't even think about it, but now we rented the house, and, you know, I have these huge property taxes. And now they're deductible. And now they're deductible. Yeah. So, then here, I, so here's, here's, here's a here's – a, a nice little planning opportunity for you. Yeah. Okay. So while you're renting it, you get cash flow from the rental and the real estate property taxes are deductible, right? And the right. mortgage right. interest is right. fully deductible yeah, regardless of, of the size of it. Yeah. Okay? Now, if you sell it within three years, you have no gain other than the, the depreciation recapture. You don't have to recognize the gain because you were it was your personal residence for two out of five years. No kidding. No kidding. So you can own the residence, you know, as long as you live in it for two years. You can rent it out for three years, sell it before the end of that. You got to sell it before the end of that five-year period, but sell it and recognize no gain other than the little bit of depreciation recapture you're going to have. So is that something new? Because the way I was seeing it, 
Oh, it's not. not. New. Okay, because I thought you know, I mean, is it, so you don't even have to do a ten thirty one exchange or nope, no, you don't. And there's not a max. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like a half million dollar. There max. is. There yeah. is. It's a half million yeah. dollar. Okay, got it. Got right. It. So you do have a, a max on the gain right. that you can that you can eliminate. Is a it's a half million dollars for married and two fifty right. for individuals. Right. Right. Now, wouldn't right. it make what what keeps people or is there anything that would prevent people from saying, hey, you know what, I'm not going to get these benefits, so maybe I'll just take the house I'm living in, put it in an LLC, and rent it out to myself. Can't do yes, that? Yes, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> All right. Of course, everybody was, yeah, and, was and, and frankly, it's a bad idea anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because what's going to happen is you're going to pick up rental income, mm-hmm. right? Right. And you don't get to deduct your rent expense. So yeah. you just created taxable income for yourself if you even did that. See, that's why I'm not the CPA, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> but at least uh, I have someone to throw a question at. I was uh, saying, no, you, you, you can't do that, but we really don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so there was a, some, some talk, I know, before the bill uh, happened that there was some, some, some people talking about, uh, you know, for people who have money in the stock market and who've got uh, gains, some possible changes about first in, first out. Uh, yeah, that didn't make it. That didn't make it. So that did not make it. Okay, there it's not you go. in there. So, so, so you stock traders, you're all good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they we won't go over that because it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, how does how does the net tax plan affect real estate investors? Because we have a lot of those. So it it, it 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 affects real estate investors in a number of ways, and uh, mostly positive. Okay, I'm going to start actually with the one challenge that real estate investors need to pay attention to. And this is only if you're actually the developer. Okay, if you're investing in somebody else's project, this is not your issue. Okay, they did change the carried interest rule. Oh, they did? So ca- okay. Yes. So the carried interest means that if, let's say that, Buck, you were to develop a, a, an apartment complex and you brought in investors and your deal with the investors would be typically, okay, Investors, you get all the money until you get your money back, plus a particular return. And then when the once you get that, now we're going to like split it 50-50. Okay? Right. right. I'm, Buck, Buck, I'm the developer. I'm putting in effort. I'm not going to put in money. I'm still going to get 50% once you guys have made your money. Okay? Right, right. So uh, some reasonable return on your money. That's pretty typical. That's called yeah. the carried interest. Okay? Yep. So it's called the carried interest. Um, up until December 31st of this last year, so last, you know, um, it, you only, that carried interest was capital gain. And if you had that carried interest for more than a year, then it would be long-term capital gain. Okay. If the property was held for more than a year, they changed that to three years and it is effectively retroactive. So if you had, let's say you did, um, you bought a property two years ago, mm-hmm. and you're selling that this month. Guess what? Short-term capital gain. Yep. However, however, okay, a little planning opportunity here. Mm-hmm. You can still do a 1031 exchange. Uh. So it, now, it, that, just FYI, that's a very complex thing to do. Okay, to do a 1031 exchange when you've got investors, because your investors probably don't want to do a 1031 exchange. So this is where you must be sitting down with a tax advisor who is an absolute expert in real estate. I mean, you cannot talk to your CPA who does 
a couple handles a couple of real estate investors, you must talk to somebody who their primary business is real estate. I, I'm not kidding about this. This isn't because I want you, you to call our office. You're welcome to, but I, that's not why I'm saying it. I'm saying that this is a, uh, uh, there aren't even very many people in my office that could do this. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So it's just a complex thing to do. Uh, I will tell you though, that it's doable. Okay. Yeah. With the right planning, it's doable. And once you do a 1031 exchange into the new property, you've, I think I think you've eliminated your carried interest problem. And I think you could actually turn around and sell it, you know, within six months if you wanted to. But certainly if you did a ten thirty one and you held it now held the new property up so that you've got a total of three years holding period, you're not gonna run afoul of that issue. So you I think a ten thirty one, a like kind exchange is still available for that carried interest, even though because they did not change the timing on a like kind exchange. They only changed changed that it was a carried interest if sold is short-term capital gain not long-term capital gain unless you hold it more than three years so that's a that's actually a, a something that people are you know if you do have that carried interest please 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 pay close attention to that because we're not talking anymore about a 20 percent tax we're talking about a 40 percent tax right, right. Yeah. Right on that income so be careful with that one um some of the benefits though i mean there's some amazing benefits now, um, uh, residential rental property now qualifies for Section 179. Huh. Okay? okay. So the deduction for equipment. Um, uh, it used to be there used to be some severe limitations on it. Limitations are off. So, so okay. you're ta are you talking about the, uh, you know, the the the, the is this with a, with a cost segregation analysis or was is well, this, I, you would yeah. you would do a cost segregation probably, right. and then normally yeah. you would do this over like you know you would have like the property and then you know the chattel or whatever right be deducted right. over five five years, years and now you can do that over one. Correct. Oh wow, that's huge. That's very big. Wow. And and mm -hmm. and another one is get this. So bonus depreciation applies to HVAC units. It applies to roofs. It applies to leasehold improvements, and it applies to security and fire alarms. Wow. Which in the past yeah. have always been part of your building. Mm-hmm. They've always been deducted over 27 and a half, 39 years. Now they qualify for the bonus depreciation. Yeah. 100%. Well, that's uh, that's all really good stuff. Now, for people who are uh, – now, this is one that I thought was really fascinating, and I'd love for you to talk about it because I'm sort of confused about it too, is this 20% – <laughs> pass-through provision uh, for small businesses, for LLCs? Well, it's not for LLCs. No? Okay. okay. I, I want to be really clear. An LLC has no tax consequence to it. Okay. Okay? That's a legal That's a legal definition. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because people talk to me, well, if it's an LLC, it's a pass-through. No, it's not true. We have a, a lot of clients that have LLCs that are taxed as corporations. Okay, they have yep. a 21% tax rate. Right. Okay? They're a corporation. They're a C corporation. 20% tax rate. We have other LLCs that are taxed as partnerships and some that are taxed as S corporations, others that are sole proprietorships. Right. So an LLC can be taxed any way you want. Okay. So what I'd like to do is let's, let's if we can, yeah. just to make sure everybody's on the same page, we're talking about the tax definition, not the legal definition. And the tax definition is it's a partnership or it's an S corporation. And by pass through, we mean that the income tax is not paid at the entity level. It's paid at the individual level, the owner level, uh -huh. right? So a pass-through could include a partnership, sole proprietorship, or an S corporation. Those are the three 
business pass-through entities. Um, the 20% deduction is, um, well, there. it's the most complicated thing I've ever seen, okay, first of all. Um, uh -huh. I'll, I, I'm going to break it down real simple, though, for our listeners. So basically, okay, it's 20% of the net income from the business. That's what it is. So if your net income is um, a, a, a million dollars, the deduction is 200000 okay? Uh -huh. Now, so you're really only being taxed on 80% of your income. There are limits, okay? So that's the, that's the first test. You have to go, okay, so 20% of my net income, whatever that is, that's the most I can ever get. Then there are some limits. For uh, a normal operating business, the limit is 50% of wages, Okay, so if you have a restaurant and you pay wages, it's 50%, and your wages are, um, let's say your wages are 300000 your limit on your deduction is 150000 even if otherwise it would be 200000 okay? Uh -huh. So your limit is 50% of your wages. If it's real estate, however, and actually any, any business could qualify for this, it's just that for most people, for most regular businesses, the better limit is going to be the 50% of wages for a real estate business. So you may have no wages. Yeah. Well, you can, you can take two and a half percent of the cost of the real estate. Okay. So it's not the depreciated basis. Okay. It's not the net book value. It's the actual cost. The it's what you paid for it. So if you have a $10 million building, okay, your limit is going to be two and a half percent of 10 million, right? Or $250,000. That's okay. your limit. Uh-huh. But that's a deduction, and it's a deduction bef uh, before taxable income. So there's some businesses. Um, there was some talk. I don't know how this ended up, but there was some talk about certain types of businesses being excluded from this. Um, that's correct, and that would include mine. Yeah, and and the medical profession. So it includes doctors, lawyers, and accountants, and athletes. Um, uh, it includes uh, performers. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, and and fine and the financial industry, it does not include architects and engineers. So some senator has a major donor who owns an architecture engineering firm, and they were able to to say architects and engineers, you get this deduction, accountants, lawyers, and uh, doctors, you don't. I'm surprised the lawyers didn't figure out how to get theirs. <laughs> Yeah, lawyers don't have very good lobbying. <laughs> they, they they don't actually. Yeah. Um, although they they actually did that. There there is a a provision. There was a provision in there. I I believe it came out that would limit the expense deduction for um, uh, contingent fee, contingent fees. But I think they pulled it out the last minute. I think the yeah. lawyers actually did do their um, lobbying. And uh, got that one taken out. But yeah, you, so you want to hear the, the the best the best lobbying effort though? Yeah. So here's the best one. The best one is some senator. You you watch, some Republican senator is getting divorced this year. Because the if you get divorced in 2018, your alimony is deductible. If you wait until after 2018 <laughs> to have your divorce finalized, your alimony is not deductible. So I wow. guarantee you, there is a senator. Who's getting divorced in 2018? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that'll be one to watch. We will definitely bring that uh, bring to the yeah. attention of the audience uh, if and when that particular uh, provision. 
is employed by somebody. So I'm just telling you, Buck, that, you know, you may not want to tell your wife this, but, you know, (laughs) this is the year for her. This is the litmus test, right? This is the real deal. Now, here, the other side of it, though, is that after 2018, the alimony, that if you're on the receiving side, it's not income. It's not taxable. Huh. Really? So it works both ways. Yep. Yeah. So if you're receiving it, which I know in Buck, your case, you'd probably be receiving it, okay? <laughs> then, you know, then you probably want to wait until after 2018. Um, let's see. In terms of um, – and by the way, that 20% rule is just so confusing. And what strikes me about this bill in particular was this whole idea that you know, you're going to be able to file your taxes on a postcard. And this, to me, is a um, CPA's dream come true because it is actually it seems about 10 times more complex than it used to be. Well, so I'll tell you, tell you a quick story. So in 1986, last time we had major tax reform under Ronald Reagan, yeah. I was, uh, I was uh, staff on, in the National Tax Department for Ernst & Young. And... Uh, that tax law as well was supposed to be so simple that it was going to put us out of business. And so, you know, I was the new guy, and so I figured I could ask a stupid question. So I did. I asked the. I, I asked. I, I'm in the staff meeting. All these big heads, right? I mean, they're huge, smart tax people, and I'm like two and a half years out of school. And I said, okay, so what is this? This is supposed to be the simplification. What's it going to do to our business? And uh, one of the um, older partners, he said, well, let me tell you, Tom, he said, in 1954, I was in your position, and I asked the same question, because the 1954 Act, which was before the 86 Act, was the previous big tax reform, was supposed to make it so simple that it put the accountants out of business. (laughs) So (laughs) what starts as simplification, now in fairness, those people who were itemizing and now because of $24,000 standard deduction are not itemizing, they may see some simplification, okay? So there may actually, on that lower end, they may see some simplification. Um, they'll still have the tax credit. They still have earned on income credit. You know, so those things aren't, you know, they still have to deal with those. But um, for, for business owners, it was never going to be sim- uh, simple because understand that most of the tax law is just a way to define what's taxable. That's it. Right. Okay? That's what it's defining is what's taxable. How much tax you pay, that's like five pages. What's taxable is 6,000 pages. So what this tax law does is just add more, you know, changes the definitions of what's taxable. That's all it does. And um, so it, it is actually, I call it the Accountants Full Employment Act. (laughs) Um, because I, we are, I was, Hey, I was talking to a client and I, and I know you're one of our clients, Buck, and and I'm sure that Casey will be talking to you about this. I was talking to a a client day. I'm going, this changes everything. And we are going to have to look at every single tax strategy we've done. And we're going to have to um, revisit every one. And we're going to be making changes to, to probably 90% of them. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, because I know, um, again, and I am a client of, of provision and, and, you know, you guys have these diagrams and um, these diagrams that really show you how you can, again, very safely and by the rule of law, you know, minimize your taxes. And I can't imagine those diagrams not being crazily affected, right? 
They are. Um, they are. I mean, the whole yeah. plan. I mean, the whole yeah. plan is going to have. Uh, we're going to have huge impacts. Um, you know, and one of the big questions is, should I be a C corporation? That's a legitimate question yeah. now. Particularly, yeah. uh, I'll tell you what. Particularly for the medical profession. Uh-huh. You know, is is that you know we used to have a big penalty tax, right? Because if you left money in that C corporation, it was taxed at thirty five percent. Big huge flat 35% rate. And then when you distribute it out, you've got a dividend tax, right? Yeah. So it was a horrible penalty to be a C corporation as a physician um, after 1986. That all changes because now it's 21%. So what if you leave some money in? It's no big deal. It's 21% tax. It's cheaper than if you take it out. Yeah. So so you may, I, I, will, I think we're going to see Particularly um, uh, in the medical profession where you're like, you know, you're expanding, mm-hmm. right? You're ex- either expanding your office or you're expanding your facility or you're, 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 you know, doing multiple offices or whatever. Anybody who's going to put their money back into their company uh, uh, is really ought to be looking at this. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. So you want to uh, uh, – uh, is it okay if I mention yeah. another no, no, big no. Please, tax benefit? please. And we'll take any uh, free tax advice we can get around Well, here. here's one that nobody – I have not seen one person talk about. And I have mentioned it when I've been called by reporters, and they still don't mention it, okay? Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. So I'm going to mention it here. Okay, I'm going to write it down. So go ahead. Let's say that you're st- – Let's say you're just coming out of, or you're, you're, you've, you've been an employee, and you decide I'm going to start my own medical practice, okay? Uh-huh. And um, I think I'm going to do this for five to ten years, and then I'm probably, you know, while I'm doing this, I want to do some real estate investing, et cetera, and eventually I want to get out. I'm going to sell my practice. Mm-hmm. If you start a new company, and you start it as a C corporation. And you hold that stock for five years and a day, and you sell the stock, there's no tax on the gain. Wow. Okay. So, so it has to be a new one, though. So potentially somebody who has a practice starts a new corporation, right? Can you do that? That's not really. challenging. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's challenging. It's, it's really not going to be a benefit for those people. But somebody who who let's say let's say you've got a young physician who buys buys one yeah okay or who starts their own then absolutely it's going to apply to them wow uh that um, i mean that's that's pretty amazing um i'm going to take you uh to another area which uh the for selfish reasons i'm going to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency here because tom I, here's what happened. So um, I got a bunch of people I know who are really excited about cryptocurrency. And um, I'm not a real flashy guy, right? So I know $100,000 uh, sitting around. And I, rather than buy a Maserati, I just kept driving my 2008 Prius and bought $100,000 of, um, of, of one of the cryptocurrencies. Well, that was in September, and I'm up 700%. Wow. Um Good for you. <laughs> no, I've, I mean, I have been playing with it, but I, the way I did really look at it, because people were like, isn't this totally against what you talk about? No, I mean, it's, I, this is my Maserati, right? <laughs> this is my right. Maserati. So right. what I noticed was, and what I've been reading was, that the crypto guys like me, um, we kind of got shafted here. Because there, there are some people trading this stuff, actually a fair number and there's uh, some some issues with regards to before it being considered more uh, 
you know, like when you change from one coin to another, uh, it was considered sort of like assets, you know, similar to like right. a 1031, whereas right. now it's not. Was it? Right. Now it's not. They, they actually eliminated the 1031 exchange for personal property. Yeah. Yeah. So that certainly is not like for like, I think it was, frankly, I think it was questionable whether it was anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it, it really smells more like foreign exchange. It does. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, if, if it, why would it be non-taxable to exchange Bitcoin for Ethereum, but taxable to exchange a dollar for a euro? Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, conceptually, it makes no sense. So I don't. I, I didn't buy into it, that it qualified anyway, but it clearly doesn't qualify now. Yeah. So they, they, they shut that one off. Yeah, and, and I figure they, they pretty much pretty much got some of us, uh, you know, computer geek types and <laughs> they didn't have a loud, loud voice anyway. I mean, they didn't have to mess with the hedge fund guys and stuff like that. So, Well, I'll the- tell you something, though. It, it actually applies to more than cryptocurrency. Um, if you trade in a car now that's a business car, you now have to pay tax on, this, on the trade-in. Is that right? Okay, so Absolutely, it doesn't make Absolutely, because that's a- personal property. No longer a like-kind exchange. Hmm. Well, this, um, I could go on here. I mean, this is, I mean, but uh, you talk, tell me about the new book. Is this going to be, uh, is this inspired from this plan or what, what's going it's on? It's not. Actually, it was planned before this. Okay. It just happens to be really good timing. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably there's some addendums in there at this point, right? Uh, no addendums because I haven't, I haven't written it yet. So it's going to be, it's going to be brand new. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be have worldwide applicability cause I'm going to put charts and tables in there to cover, um, at least 30 countries. I'm going to cover all the States. We're going to put in lots of charts and tables. It's going to be very comprehensive and it's about, it's the, the title is seven, seven investments. Um, the government will pay you to make. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And when do you, when do you think that's, uh, we should expect that June, June or July June is when it's going to come out. Okay, that is one we are going to hopefully have you back on the show. Now, I, I've that. got actually other news that's before yeah, then, yeah. if you don't mind me sharing. No, please, please do. We're doing a second edition of Tax-Free Wealth, and that will be out in March. Oh, gosh. And is that, uh, well... That will be updated for the new law. That will be updated. So that, again, Tom, your book is on uh, my website in the resources section along with... Uh, uh, the one you did with uh, Robert Kiyosaki as well, and then that'll be up as well. So that is absolutely great. Tell us a little bit more about uh, provision. I've talked about you guys before, and you've been on, but I, I want to make sure people understand. You know who is provision for? We have a lot of people listening to this um, who are, you know, most people I would say are probably over six figures. Um, you know, a lot of professionals, small business people. Tell us about the clients and how you guys are different from a lot of CPA. Uh, well, I will, and I actually, I actually going to spill some beans here yeah. and, and give you a heads up that we're actually expanding. Oh, okay. Um, we're we're going to actually start bringing in uh, CPA firms, uh, other CPA firms, in addition to Provision. Um, we already have one lined up. We'll have, uh, and we're gonna. It's going to be the Tax Free Wealth Network. No, and uh, okay. this is by the way, it's not published. I mean, we're we're not going to launch this until uh, February. Okay. Um, but um, uh, what what you know, we, we just have a very different way of looking at taxes. We 
Um, we look at taxes at the tax law is your friend if you make it your friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. The tax law is nothing more or less than a series of incentives. It's really what it is. It's, it's a direction from the, the government saying, if you do this that we want you to do, we'll give you a tax break. That's all it is. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not this big penal code. That people think it is. Now, the IRS is not your friend, but the tax law is. Okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. So we just take a very positive approach. As far as I know, we're the only ones who do this. Okay? And we just this, we just discovered over the years that the tax law is is all these incentives. Now we've got – we talked about new incentives. So there's all these different incentives. And and what we, what we all have to recognize is that we have a partner in our financial – activities. It's the government. Mm -hmm. And for most people, that partner is a terrible partner because they take 40% of everything we make. And it's questionable whether we get, you know, a good return on investment, right? So most people think, yeah, I don't really get that 40% return, right? In the services that are out there, right? It's not a, you know, really good, efficient use of funds. So we can make the government a good partner. And all we have to do is understand what the government wants us to do, and when we do what the government wants us to do, then they give us these tax breaks. That's what tax-free wealth's all about. That's the whole, the whole book's about. The seven investments going to be, you know, it's seven investments will be more specific, um, but it's about the same ideas. That look, the government wants you to do certain things, and if they do, if you do those things, they'll pay you to make them. They'll they'll pay you to do it, right? And so that's what we're looking at. So as a CPA firm, you know, or or CPA firms. What we're, what we're doing is we want clients who are willing to look at things, maybe maybe think, okay, maybe I can do that, all right? I, I always get people saying, you can't do that here. Yeah, right. Um, if you're willing to look at, maybe I can do that, okay, and you're willing to look at a big, a very much a comprehensive plan, because what you can't do is you can't say, I'm going to, I want tax benefits, I don't want to build my wealth. Those two go together. The reality is, is the more assets you buy, if you do them right, the more assets you buy, the lower your taxes become. Okay. So what we do is we combine the two. So we take the, 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 the wealth, um, the idea of building wealth, we call it a wealth strategy. We combine it with a tax strategy and we have a wealth and tax strategy. And what it is, it's a long-term plan for building wealth and reducing taxes. Cause we all know that Every dollar we don't pay in tax, we can invest in whatever we're investing in, okay? And so if we have a really clear picture of how we're going to invest, then we can develop a real clear plan of how to invest it in the way the government wants us to invest it, right? So it's it's not difficult from a conceptual standpoint. It's very simple. Okay, it's very very simple. We get we get very focused in our in our wealth. We we know exactly what we're going to do. For, so, wouldn't it be nice if every day you woke up and you go, I know where I'm going to invest my next dollar. That yeah. that's an most people have no idea. Yep. Okay. So how, I not only do I know how I'm going to invest my next dollar, but how I invest my next dollar is going to reduce my taxes. So that's what we do. And so it doesn't matter if you. You know, if you make $100,000 a year, $50,000 a year, or $5 million a year, the reality is is that if you're, if you're really interested and you're willing to make the commitment to take a little bit of time, I mean, it's, it's going to take a, a, a little bit of time. It takes us about three months to put 
um, three to five months to put a strategy together with a client. Okay, and we're going to take uh, we're going to take an hour or two of the client's time every other week. So it's going to take a little time. You know, it may take you know a person you know may take uh, ten or twelve hours of their time to put together a comprehensive strategy to reduce their taxes and build their wealth. We'll do the rest of the work. And then what we then then what we have is we have this plan and we can just monitor this plan. We can we can keep keep making it better. We can look at okay as things change, what do we have to do? We can modify the tactics we use. Uh, I'll tell you though, we've just had you know hundreds and thousands of clients who've been through this that it's just like it's a little piece of magic and it's just the little piece mm-hmm. of magic that we can do. So we're we get very excited when we get to do it. So having the more firms and the partnerships is that going to broaden the demographic of yeah. who typically would be a provision client? Because because you know provision is obviously is a higher level thing, uh, a higher level firm. It's generally for you know higher paid professionals, et cetera. Is is this going to make it so that it's more accessible? It it will. It'll make it more accessible and. And it'll make it more accessible to more people. I mean, right now we we can't take more than 20, 20 or twenty five clients a month. Yeah, that's not very. I mean, look at how. I mean, yeah. look at just your just look at your audience. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we you know we, we're a little careful about who we take. You know, I and mean, we yeah. we go through a an enrollment process. Um, that it's it's really an application process. That's what it is, and we can't take everybody we would like to take. So, um, so, you know, we encourage everybody, you know, we want everybody to apply. Um, we may give you some things that you need to do before you're ready for us. Okay. So we may give you some, some steps to take to get ready for us. Okay. So that you are ready, you know, so that you can get this high end planning. Um, yes, the idea is that we're going to, so we're going to be able to, um, serve, a bigger demographic. More importantly, we're going to be able to serve more people, yeah. which is which is the ultimate goal. Is we we'd like to serve, um, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, and we can't do that right yeah. now. Yeah, I think that's great because I think um, there definitely is a dearth of availability to your, um, you know, the type of help that you're that you offer. You know, and I do get a, a number of people who are sort of, you know, sort of in that uh, they're probably they're probably not. Uh, you know, their incomes probably aren't significant enough where they would do maybe go to a provision. But, you know, there's opportunities there for more people. No, that's great. Um, so the the website, again, is ProvisionWealth.com. Is that right? Uh, it, it is. And let, let me also give another yeah. an, a, another website. Um, do. Because there's some uh, there's some things that you can get on it. Um, in fact, you can get a free chapter of the book, Tax-Free Wealth. You go to TaxFreeWealthAdvisor.com. Um, taxfreewealthadvisor.com will get you, um, you can sign up for our weekly report. You can sign up for our, um, uh, you, you can get a free chapter of, uh, of the book, um, tax free wealth. And the chapter actually we give away is chapter 23, which is how to find the right tax advisor. So (laughs) it's good. You know, I mean, one of, you can, of course you can always, you can always call our office, um, you may want somebody local, okay? Well, we we just want you to have the right tax advice. We don't care where you get it, yeah. okay? So I I want to make sure you know my my job and my goal in life is to change a profession, right? So if if you guys if you're you're out there and you're looking for a tax advisor, there's a whole chapter there. 
you get it for free and you can actually read, okay, how do I find this tax advisor? What kinds of questions do I need to ask? What kinds of questions do they need to ask me? What am I looking for? And uh, uh, give you a better idea because there's, there's nobody in your life outside of your spouse that's going to have a bigger impact on your uh, financial welfare um, and, and your financial dreams than your tax advisor. I presume if we get on the uh, that list, you know, that email list that will be sort of uh, prompted when this new opportunity um, sort of expansion of the... Uh, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, because I think there's probably a lot of people who are uh, eager to, to look into the possibility of doing that. I know there is for a fact. Yeah, we, a, we actually call, we actually yeah. have a, a name. We call, uh, this is the 40 percenters. The 40 percenters, okay? yeah. There's actually 40 percent. Uh-huh. We've actually calculated about 40 percent of the people who call in just aren't yet qualified. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's the forty percent we'd really like to be able to help, and and we are working we're working diligently on that. That's fantastic, Tom Wheelwright, everyone. Tom, so much thank you so much for being on the show. As usual, it's a pleasure, and hopefully, have you back uh, when the next book comes out. I'd love it, absolutely, anytime, Buck. Happy uh, to ha- happy to help any way I can. Fantastic. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm sure you love uh, that uh, discussion. I mean, I seriously could have talked to this guy for another hour, and then you have to pinch yourself and say, wait, are we talking about taxes here? Isn't this supposed to be super boring? Well, that's just not Tom Wheelwright. Tom is a, a incredible communicator above else and a great teacher, which makes him a great, uh, great person to learn from. Um, you know, I uh, I almost never listen to my own podcast, but I'm honestly going to go back and listen to this one because there was so much stuff there. I almost felt like a little bit of uh, like I, I wasn't processing it quite quickly as I needed to. You could hear me kind of saying, oh, yeah, because I was really trying to take this in. I mean, I was kind of floored by some of these changes um, and some of these things I didn't know about. So anyway, do yourself a favor too. get a, a copy of that tax-free wealth as, as sort of a foundational piece, because, you know, people got to, you got to stop thinking about taxes as the enemy. The tax code is the enemy. You can use this to your advantage and it'll become a superpower, you know, and then you can have tax-free wealth. And this simple thing of grabbing that book, which by the way, uh, use my, use my, um, link uh, in the resources section of wealthformula.com so I get 10 cents commission from Amazon. This one book, I think, could potentially be the most lucrative thing that you buy this year as a, on an ROI basis. Uh, finally, just remember to give me a five-star review on iTunes if you think I deserve it, uh, because doing that and subscribing to the show and telling your friends to do so, it helps with rankings. And one of my goals for this year is to really climb up in those ranks because we're not getting a lot of people um, through iTunes search. We're getting some, but most people it's just word of mouth and me being on other podcasts and that sort of thing. And if you, if you could really uh, help spread the word for me, because I think it's really important for high paid professionals to get this kind of information and I, and most of them aren't. So if you think that's the case, definitely do that. Five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the show, and that's it for me today on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.